Meaning that means he was, he, was, he was in the book of Genesis. He was alive at the beginning of time. And he was the seventh from Adam. And it says, Enoch uh, seen the Lord coming with thousands upon thousands of his saints. And what the two verses is telling us in the book of Jude is that Enoch, who lived at the beginning of the age, the beginning of creation, had supernatural, a supernatural experience or experiences with God that God began to show him at the time at the end of the age. So somebody at the beginning of time, God began to show him supernaturally, prophetically, the second coming of Jesus Christ. So another thing we know about Enoch is he experienced super, uh, supernatural, prophetic experiences with God. Because God showed him stuff, you know, at the end of the age. But the question is, what, what was it that he done that he pleased God? Before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And the other place that, that we, we read about Enoch is the book of Genesis, chapter 5. And it's verse 21 to 24. And I'm just going to read these verses. And I believe this is the key. And it says in verse 21 in Genesis chapter 5, starting in verse 21, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Meshullah. After he begot Meshullah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch, were 365 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him so it tells us that he lived 365 years, people lived longer in those days and then, but then God changed it and he cut down the, the lifespan again and it tells us he had sons and daughters but twice within those four verses it says that Enoch walked with God Enoch walked with God. There's nowhere in the Bible or nobody in the Bible that says that about anybody else. It says different things about David and a man after God's own heart. But that terminology is only used in relation to Enoch. That Enoch walked with God. And that is the key, I believe, of Enoch's life. About this relationship we had with God. When he got to the end of his life, when it says the end of his life before God took him, and it says he never died, God just took him. And it says, but he had this testimony that he pleased God. And I'm not talking about the performance. You know, we're not talking about that. Daniel Stark says something uh, on, on Tuesday there about we don't try and come to God through a place of performance, keeping rules, keeping the, the Ten Commandments, you know, or, or, or our good works. But the Bible does tell us that out of a salvation experience, something should change. There's a couple of verses, or three verses of what I mentioned. I've probably mentioned them before here, but it's really the last verse just to highlight the point I'm talking about. And in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and 10, but really verse 10, this is what it says. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, so it is a gift, salvation is a gift. We can uh, get it through, keep the Ten Commandments. We can get it through our good works. So he's only saying, not by works, least anyone should boast. That is verse 9. But the very next verse, verse 10, says something very different. It says, uh, for we 
are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them that God prepared beforehand so what it's saying what Paul is telling us is that we are saved by grace but that grace when that grace comes upon our life and and we know we're saved and we know we're, we're, we're born again that should produce in us and take us to a place that we want to love for God it's a place of obedience what Daniel Starch says the other night he says, he says out of our love for God we want to please him you know out of our love for God we, we want to love right and some people might think works is not important we're just saved by grace but works should come out of salvation you know that's what it says created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them so what am I saying here the point I'm making is this, our salvation experience should produce a changed life within us. A changed life. And part of that is good works, but it's not a means of salvation. And it should, part of that is also obedience. Uh, the, the Bible says, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't murder, don't cover. But this, that's still relevant. It's just not a means of salvation. You know, and this guy, you know, he lived in desperate times. He lived before the flood where, where the world had went haywire. God ended up destroying the world except one family where a flood. But he lived in those times, difficult times, but he had this relationship with God which seemed to be very different and very unique. And although he was the seventh from Adam, because people lived so long in those days, Adam lived, I think, 930 years in uh, because the, the, the lifespan was so long, their lives overlapped. So even though he was seven generations down the line, they were alive at the same time. Uh, if you look at the genealogies and do the arithmetic, somebody had looked at it and I was listening to this guy. They were alive at the same time, and they were alive at the same time for about 307 years. And it is believed that both of them would have interacted about their experiences with God. See, Adam and Eve were in the garden. And if you read the account of that, you just assume they might have not been there for a long time. They were only there for a very short period of time. That's what you assume. But the fact is they could have been there a long time. In the garden, you know, experiencing the pleasure of God. No sickness. No mental health issues. No fighting. No arguing. No addiction. You know, no turmoil. We're in that place with God. And the Bible says about Adam and Eve that they walked with God. They walked with God in the cool of the day. This was before the fall. But after the fall, it says Enoch walked with God. So it is believed that the two of them have interacted and spoke about their experiences with God. And you know, Elijah, a long time later, comes on the scene. And what he's got in common with Enoch is both of them seem to have these extra ordinary walks with God and both of them never, never saw death they were took up but Elijah you know he comes on the scene with absolutely nowhere and we don't know much about his life before that but he comes on the scene in First Kings chapter 17 and verse 1 and it says Elijah the fish bite uh, he just appeared and he began to declare this is what he began to declare it will not rain there will be no rain or dew on the ground Except at my word. This was a guy who was hearing from God. And again, although it was, I don't know the length of time, but maybe about a couple of thousand years later, you never thought to look this up before. And a long time later, after Enoch, 
It comes on the scene and again the country, the nation of Israel and even the surrounding nations were in a terrible state once again. And at that time Ahab was the king, Jezebel was the queen and they had took the nation, God's people, the nation of Israel into uh, idol worship. And Elisha appears from nowhere and he makes this declaration, this proclamation that he says there will be no rain or dew on the ground unless I say so. This man was here to God to say that with that amount of confidence. And he comes off the, the scene again. And we know where he was for three and a half years. Then he appears again. And he was carrying this boldness. You know, he was really under a powerful anointing of God. But if you look at his life, it's like God would show him one step after the next step after the next. I read yesterday, just when I was kind of prepared for this, a couple of chapters then, maybe a, a wee bit more about his life and God was continually speaking to him and telling him what to do next he was here for God but he appears on the scene three and a half years later again and the place was in, it was a famine by this time because there was no rain you know it was like he released a judgment you know upon the, the nation because of the people the way, the way they were living you know because they were living in sin they were worshipping false gods and he released this judgment but then he appears again and he appears and he confronts the, the, the powers of, of that age, Ahab and Jezebel and, and the false prophets. And he says, let's meet at Mount Carmel. He says, and, and we'll, we'll sort things out. And he says, bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. That was 850 uh, false prophets, you know, who were involved in witchcraft, who were involved in the occult, you know, demon worship. And he was one person, one person, you know, under the power of God, under the anointing. And next thing there was a showdown at Mount Carmel. And this is what he said. He says, we'll, do, we'll, we'll get a bull, we'll get a sacrifice each, a bull each, and we'll call, you call the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord. And he says, the God who answers by fire, he is God. What Elijah was saying, there's going to be a supernatural demonstration of the power of God. And the people are going to see it. He says, bring all Israel to this mountain. And the Bible tells you that they called on the name of their gods. And nothing happened. You know, nothing happened. Then it came Elijah's turn. And this is what he says to the people. The people of Israel... He says, uh, why do you falter between two opinions? He says, if the Lord is God, he says, serve him. Because they were half in and they were half out. They were, they were confused, you know. Uh, because they knew, they had initially knew that God, Jehovah, was the God of Israel. But they get involved in other things, you know, in other uh, types of worship. And he says, if the Lord is God, serve him. But if it is Baal, serve him. See, this man, Elijah, he was uncompromising. He was absolutely unshakable. You know, he was relentless and he was not going to stop till God said, done what he said he was going to do. And uh, the, the fire came down from heaven and it burned up the sacrifice. And when the people seen the demonstration of the power of God, of a supernatural God, do something supernatural, they began to declare... The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. They turn back to the God at that time, turn back to the Lord. And Elijah says, Let's get the prophets of Baal and take them down to the brook Kishon and execute them there. And the hundred reigned on the land for three and a half years. And Elijah, 
he knew he was here for God. And the next thing he heard was in his spirit. He says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He says, I hear the sound, meaning it was going to rain. I mean, the, the, the people never even did any water for the animals. You know, that's how bad things were. And he heard in his spirit, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And when God began to move, and as Elijah began to make these declarations, and the people turned back to God, and when a curse was broken over the land, a curse, and one day, things had changed for a three and a half year period, and one day again, you know, things began to change. And one day, you know, things can change in our lives. Things can change over a nation. And one day that curse was broken over that nation. And Elijah went up the top of Mount Carmel because he knew he had heard from God. You know, and the Bible tells us he, he, kneels, he sits down and he crosses his legs over and he begins to pray. And the, the commentators tell us this is the way the, the, the Jewish woman gave birth. And it was real, and he says, what he was really doing, it was birthing something spiritually, spiritually birthing something for, for what he had heard, from one realm, from the spiritual realm, into the natural realm, to shift things within that nation. He knew he'd heard from God, he was not going to stop, he was refusing to give up, and by this time there was a servant with him, and he said to the servant, go out and look towards the sea, and see if you can see, see anything. And the servant came back in and says, I can't see nothing. He says, go out again. And he came back in again, I see nothing. Go out again. And this continued and continued. And on the seventh time, the servant says, I see a cloud as small as a man's hand blowing in from the sea. And Elijah knew it was time. He knew that curse had been broken over that nation and the rain was coming. And it was because of these declarations that he made and the proclamations and hearing from God. You know, in one day things can change when we're trusting God even in our lives. Elijah continually heard the voice of God in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus said this, he says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And he's describing a picture as him as a shepherd, us as a sheep. And he says when they begin to follow the shepherd, when we begin to become followers of Jesus Christ, and the more we move into that, the more we'll begin to recognise his voice and hear his voice. You know, it's the same with people. You could be in the shop. I was in, I remember in a shop years ago, and I heard somebody's voice. I hadn't seen them for years, and I was in the next aisle, and I knew it was him. I knew it was that person and I walked around and it was, you know, the more we spend time with people, the more we get to know people, the more we begin to recognise their voice. Somebody could be behind you, they walk into this room, maybe earlier on before we started, and you begin to pick up their voice. About two years ago, just another example of that, it was a Sunday morning, and I was in my bedroom, and, and I think I was up to this time, and I heard somebody shouting up to my house, but the front, I was at the back, it was a flat, and I'm kind of... It's a ground one, two, so I'm about three up. And I heard somebody shouting up to the front, and they just shouted one word. And it was my name, they shouted to Alan. And I hadn't seen this guy for years. Uh, he was in the home machine and he was near my house, and he'd been in and out there over the years. But he just shouted one word. And as soon as he said it, I knew it was him. I knew it was him. And I went and looked out the window, I seen him, and I told him, I said, up you come. And uh, so we can begin to recognize the voice of God. 
And one of the ways that, that happens is when we read the Bible, and the Bible becomes a life test, that is really beginning to hear the voice of God, and God is beginning to give us direction for our own life, and beginning to give us promises for our own life. Another way we hear the voice of God is through our thoughts. God's God will put thoughts there, and they're the exact same as our own thoughts. We can have thoughts about something, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to get that done tomorrow, and that is our own thoughts. But when thoughts come, and it's God that puts them there, it's just the exact same. But the more we develop this relationship with God, the more we begin to discern if it's, if it's God that's speaking to us, or is it our own thoughts. And another way he speaks is through signs and confirmations and through people and stuff like that. But Elijah went up, and he prayed, and he persevered. That, that came, that what God had spoken had came, and that was it, it was going to rain, and the curse had been broke over the nation. And maybe you're in here this morning, and you know that you know that you know that you have heard from God, and you know that God has spoke to you, whether it was in recent years or 10 or 20 years ago. And this is what we need to do we need to be like Elijah and refuse to turn to the left or the right. To be uncompromising, you know, uncompromising, and begin to pray that in that God has begun, has already, already spoken. You know, these two guys, Enoch and Elijah, they they were marked by God, and both of, both of them had an extra ordinary work with God. But their day has been, and we can read about them in here. Today it's a new day, and I believe we're living in a completely new time where God is marking people again, marking people for an extraordinary work with Him. Who are the people He's marking? It is the whosoever's, whoever wants it. Many are called, but few are chosen. We need to choose to be chosen, we need to respond to the call and say, I will pay any price to encounter God. I will pay any price to experience the very presence of God. See, I believe we're going to move into a time where things are going to change. You know, for some of us, I know it's been a struggle. I've had my ups and downs for 17 years now. Ups and downs, ups and downs. I remember Andy spoke, the last time he spoke, over in Motherwell. And he says, he says stuff very simple for, 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 I think he mentioned 27 years. And it's so real. And authentic, and he said, We can put these masks on and we can portray our life as one way, but it's actually another. But he says, I would rather just be real. And he says, He's had his ups and downs like a roller coaster for what he's already been saying this, and he's never said it here, he said it over tomorrow. But for about 27 years, I said, My been talking identify with that. I've had my ups and downs, and I was talking to somebody about it after all, the few days following that, for 17 years, up and down, and different types of emotions, and God bringing healing, and feeling low again, God bring me back up, but I believe things are going to change. Joseph went from the prison to the palace in one day. Joseph woke up in the prison. He had a 13 year difficult season, but he went to bed in the palace. See, God has spoken when he was 17. You know, at the age of 30, God began to bring about these promises. You know, the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years she had this flow of blood and she touched Jesus Christ if only I may touch the hem of his garment I shall be made well 
And one day, her life changed. And one day, the woman who was bent over with a spirit of infirmity for 18 years, and Jesus healed her on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees began to complain. Since this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, can she not be healed on the Sabbath? Her miracle came in one day. She woke up one way and went to bed a different way. She was changed. She was transformed. The man who got the nature was possessed with demons. He was mentally ill at the high end of the spectrum. He had an encounter with Jesus Christ and his life was transformed. He was naked. He was cutting himself. He was in the tombs. Then he ended up clothed and then his right mind. You know, the, the book of James says about Elijah in James chapter 5, verse 17 and verse 18. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like us. And he prayed earnestly, it says, earnestly meaning, as I said already, you know, it was unrelenting. He says, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it never rained on the land for three years and six months. He says, then he prayed again that it would rain. This is what a person shifting things in a nation, breaking the curse over a nation. He prayed again that it would rain. He says that rain and the ground produced fruit. You know, the, the, the ground began to produce again. The famine was going to go. You know, and that verse I mentioned to begin with, about Enoch, the last part of the verse, it says, before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Why? Because Enoch walked with God. It's mentioned twice in the first read about him. He walked with God. He had a relationship with God. And God is calling us to have a relationship with him, something that is real, something that is authentic. And out of that place, as God pours into us, pours his life into us, we have to overflow back into others by investing our lives in other people. So it's out of that relationship, walking with him, we begin to invest in other people. And you know, one day we're all going to leave this earth. One day we're all going to pass into eternity. You know, one day we're all going to take our last breath. And many things that we've done in this life, even different types of achievements and that, I don't think a lot of them are not going to matter. But what is going to matter is the same thing we need. Before we are taken, are we going to have this testimony that we please God? And how does it work? It's just living for Him. You know, just walking with Him. Just trying to make a difference in other people's lives. Just trying to experience Him in such a way that is real. You know, and trying out for Him. You know, I'll just, I'll finish with this. In the Gospel of John, chapter 12, and verse... 24. So I'm just going to mention verse 24, but if you read the verse before and after that, the verse before and after that, you really see the context of what Jesus was saying. And this is what he says in verse 24. He says, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, he says, it remains alone. He says, But if it dies, it produces much grain. And if you read the full passage, it is very clear that Jesus was speaking about his own life and his subsequent death. And he's saying that the grain of wheat in his life has got to fall into the ground and die. Either that or it remains alone. And it says, if it dies, 
He says it produces much grain. And this is what Jesus was saying here. He was comparing his own life just to a seed. A seed. A seed that will produce a harvest. And that happened. Jesus came and he lived his life. He went to the cross as a seed. And he went into the ground. You know. And he died. He made a week fell into the ground and he died. And he produced a harvest. And that harvest is me and you. And every single person. Who from, from the time of Jesus. To now. Who has experienced the born again experience. Every person who is a, a believer and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, who have had the born again experience, you know, have been born again by the Spirit, born from above, and that has actually happened, and it still is going to continue to happen to the end of the age. Jesus' life, Jesus compared his life to a seed, but has produced a harvest. But you know, it is the exact same with us. Our lives are just a seed. What can and should and will if we follow him you know and if we walk with him like Enoch but will produce a harvest and what I'm talking about with harvest is that will impact other people and it doesn't, make, doesn't matter what way that happens it's in many, it can be in many different ways but our lives are just a seed we can produce a harvest and will produce a harvest have impact but I'll just leave you with that verse I started with or, or the other verse with Elijah as well, just, just, just mention that again. Before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Hebrews 11 and 5, the last part of the verse. And you know what? I believe God can take his every single one of them that place. You know, we're living for him, we're walking with him, we've become followers of Jesus Christ. And before we take our last breath, God can say the same about us. Before he or she was taken, they had this testimony that it pleased God. You know what a testimony that is that Enoch had in Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was just he was just a normal person. And he prayed endlessly that it would not rain. And it didn't rain in the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the rain came and the earth began to produce its fruit. And one day, the curse was broken, you know, over a nation. And we are affected by the curse of, of what Adam, happened with Adam, the curse of sin. But I believe the more we seek him, the more we follow him, the more he will break that curse of sin, that, that thing in our lives that opposes that place of limitation, it will break it off of our lives. So God is marking people again, I believe, for a, an extraordinary work with him. But these two, two individuals, Enoch and Elijah, you know, people who are going to experience the presence of God in, in some amazing and unique ways. So, Father, I come before you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, and I thank you for this, even this opportunity. What is a privilege, Lord? And we're crying out for more, Lord. We have all the different types of character issues, Lord. Character defects, Lord, we make mistakes, Lord, we, we can fail, Lord, we can have failures, Lord. But we're asking, Lord, to be changed, Lord. Lord, we cannot do it ourselves, Lord. But you can do it, Lord. You can change us from the inside out. Jabez prayed a prayer and he says, Oh, Lord, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that you would keep me from evil 
and that I would not cause pain, Lord. We don't want to cause pain to others, Lord, through our unresolved issues. But the scripture says that God granted him his request, Lord. And we're praying, Lord, that you would do something in our lives, Lord. You would change our lives, Lord. You would mark us, Lord, with your presence, Lord. Mark us for an extra ordinary work we do, Lord. That our lives would be a seed, Lord. What would produce a harvest. Lord Jesus, you have, you have seen your harvest now, Lord. Those who are coming into this experience, Lord, we want to see a harvest, Lord, in our lives, Lord, we will impact others for good. Not for bad, Lord, but for good, Lord. So for that, we need change, Lord. We're asking for the fire of God to fall in our lives, Lord. We've seen a measure of healing, a measure of restoration, maybe a measure of change and transformation, Lord. We want to see fullness. The scripture says that we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the full measure of the stature of Christ. And it also says that uh, about the fullness of God, to know the Lord of Christ with passage knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. It speaks of maturity, Lord. It speaks of coming to a new place, Lord. A place of dominion, Lord. A place of authority. Lord, we're crying out, Lord, in these days that you'll do something in our nation, Lord, and in our towns, Lord, and villages, Lord, with the very presence of God, Lord. We'll see salvation, not just salvation, breakthrough, Lord. Divine, supernatural breakthrough coming upon our lives, Lord. We'll bring that transformation we desire. Bring that change we desire, Lord. We desire to this morning, Lord, the presence of God and encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord. The desire as a deer pants for the water, my soul panted my soul after you for the living God, Lord. We just want to encounter you, Lord, in our lives, Lord. Nothing, everything else is going to fade away, Lord, except what we've got with you. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God, Lord. We want to experience your grace, Lord. So we'll live for you, Lord. In these days, Lord, I pray for anybody who's in despair this morning, Lord, that you would touch them, Lord, and tell them everything is going to be alright, everything is going to work out, that setback, or that which is happening, you're going to recover from that, you're going to, God is going to lift you up, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So we ask you, Lord, as we sing songs, Lord, that we'll feel your presence, Lord, we'll feel the, the hope of God today, Lord, in this place. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen.